0: Just of like curiosity. So this, is, this was my grandma, who is now known by Gigi, because she's a great grandma, and this is how what she prayed to me. I'm alone, because at that time, like 10 years, I didn't have a brother, and so I'd be alone in this big house, in this big bed, and that's what she would pray to me, and I'm like, this is not what we pray at home, <laughs> and why am I dying before I wake up? I have so many questions. Anybody else have that prayer when you were growing up? Okay, wow, oh wow, a lot of you. Okay, wow, I can see why you left the church. Okay, but I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back. Hey, so we're um, kicking off this series, uh, or not kicking off, we're in week two of this series um, called Heaven, um, and if we haven't met yet, my name is Taylor, or you 're watching online for the first time, my name's Taylor, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, but last week, we kicked this off, and I'm gonna be honest, I covered a lot. Uh, I think for a lot of you, too much, and that is my bad, and I apologize. I'm gonna try to do better today. I'll explain that in just a second. But if you have questions, or if you get through this series, because I know like half of you half the way through the message last week was like, I think this guy's a heretic. (laughs) <laughs> you have a great opportunity to ask me about my heresy. And the best way to do that is to go to um, this QR code, scan it, or email me, um, taylor.infuse.church, and ask me the questions. And then on October 22nd, so not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, we're going to do a heaven Q&A or really like a question and response because I don't know if I have all the answers, but I'll definitely try to respond. And so I really encourage you guys to do that with anything that's kind of going through your head as we go through this series And the other thing, um, too, is I I want you to include your name. Um, It's not anonymous. And the reason why is because I may not be able to get to everybody, or some of you may need a little more follow-up, or I need to clarify a question, and so I'm not going to judge you. If it feels like a stupid question, please ask it. If it feels like a brilliant question, definitely ask it, okay? So we're doing that October 22nd. um, you don't submit anything, I'm making up the questions. <laughs> That's not going to be good for you. So, um, all right, so Q&A, uh, back to heaven. All right, now, here's the deal with um, today. Uh, I, I've, been no, I've known for a long time what I wanted to talk about in this message. I just um, struggle sometimes coming up with the best way to deliver it. And so I'm going to try to do better today than I did last week. Um, and I've been struggling with this message, too, up until like this morning, and I've been really struggling. I just, in my heart, there's just, if you want to know my sermon process, like, it just feels right. and It feels understandable, and it feels easy, and I just feel it in here. And I was not feeling it in here until this morning, about like 30 minutes before I showed up, um, I was getting dressed, and I was putting my pants on, and I'm like, it hit me why this wasn't working in my heart. And so the takeaway for you today is you think better with your pants on, and <laughs> you're welcome. If you don't take anything away from today, that's the one thing you can take away Uh, And number two, I kind of called an audible, and so I'm going to kind of be making this up as I go, not making it up, not the content, but the delivery, and so hopefully it works. (laughs) We'll see, okay? Um, And and it really starts right now. So right now is kind of the part that I've kind of rewritten a little bit, and so hopefully it works, okay? All right, now we're going to start the message, all right? All that was prequel to the message, all right? We're starting now. Okay, hello. Here's something I've observed about all of us. And that is if we have a choice, we will almost always pick something task oriented versus relational oriented. Okay. And by what I what I mean by that is um, if, if you're in a relationship, okay, if you had to choose. Between these two options, which one would you pick? Option number one is you continue your relationship as it is. Option number two is I give you five things on a nice sheet of paper that you can take home, put on your fridge. And as long as you do these five things, your relationship is going to be happy forever. Which one would you pick? number two. Yeah, you pick number two. I'd pick number two, okay? If, if it was that easy, right? We like things to be organized and structured so that we can understand it and we can do it. And part of the challenge of relationships and being in relationships with others is the fact that it's not cut and dry. It's not simple. It's not a checklist, right? Some of you hope tomorrow on Monday morning, you'd go and your boss would have a checklist on how to be a better leader, Right? And it'd be great if you could just hand them that list and they would just, boom, be a better leader. And some of you who are leaders of other people, you would have appreciated at some point or still appreciate a nice checklist. Like if you just did these things, it would be successful. I know as a pastor, I feel this pressure all the time. I wish there was just like this checklist. Like if you just did all these things, the church would flourish and people's hearts and lives would be changed and it would just be absolutely amazing. Parenting would be the same thing. If you just had a list at every age, if you just did these things, your kids would turn out great. Wouldn't that be awesome? But it's not how the world works. If we have a choice, we would prefer it to be black and white, easy to understand and straight forward. And so, when it comes to this idea of what happens when we die, we want to make it really easy and clear to understand, too. And we will take something that is not clear and not quite the easiest to understand, and we will make it, gosh darn it, we will make it that way so that we can achieve it, so that we can reach it, so that we can accomplish it, so that it's understandable and we can communicate it to others easily as well. And we have done this with heaven to. And we have done it with this idea of heaven to, I believe, my premise for the series is to heaven and our detriment. We have done it to our detriment. And that's what we've been talking about, because I'm hoping by the end of this series, you leave slightly more confused, but hopefully starting to scratch the surface, surface excuse me, of a version of God and a version of heaven that feels a lot more tangible that feels a lot more real than just a place you go with pearly gates and sunshine and roses and everything happy and unicorns and everything i'm sure my girls would my children would wish there to be unicorns in heaven right to be and that all the cats and dogs that have ever lived are there for the dog people you have a special special place and the cat people can go to their place, you know, and it'd just all work out perfectly because that's heaven. And and that's how we compartmentalize it and organize heaven. But unfortunately, we do that to its detriment. And I hope you will leave here realizing that it's maybe more than that. And in in a good way, in a way that says, hey, that's something I can actually get behind. That stirs my spirit. That makes me feel as though there is something Um, more real and easier, uh, not more easier necessarily, but more real and tangible to hold onto and to trust in and to find hope in, okay? So unfortunately, what we've done is we've oversimplified and compartmentalized heaven. And to explain that, um, I'm gonna draw a little bit of a graph. And it's something, if you've been here for more than two years, you've seen this graph or design before, Um, but it's just two circles. We talked about it a little bit last week. It's two circles that are interconnected, okay? And um, if you have questions on this, you can go back and watch our series called Stranger Things, and I walk through this. But the top circle, because heaven is always above, right? Um, The top circle is heaven, and then the bottom circle, where we all live, is earth, okay? And then if you read the biblical story, there are points at which heaven and earth overlap. And a great example of that um, is Eden, right at the beginning. Or, as we learned last week, paradise. Okay. That's a place that heaven and earth have overlapped. And then um, God has worked with his people in a number of different ways. Another example of that is if you know your Bible, if you don't, it's okay. You don't need to know this, but there's a tent of meeting. And so the presence of God resides in a tent on earth and heaven and earth overlap because the Eden thing didn't work out. Spoiler alert for some of you that didn't know that. Eden didn't work out they had to go. Okay, human had to go. Um, Then there was a temple. Okay, so you're kind of getting this idea. There's places where heaven and and earth overlap. And so we, um, in our uh, desire to oversimplify, I think, uh, we have um, made this our goal. We have made this our goal. And um, so a lot of times, an easy way to know this is because, uh, and some of you maybe have had this experience in your life, um, pastors or evangelists or Christians will ask other people, hey, where are you going to go when you die? Where are you going to go when you die? Do you know, right? And the options are what? Heaven and hell, right? So do you know? And then you're supposed to make a decision, right? Right? Of where do you want to go? Well, of course, everybody's going to say, whether you believe it or not, you're going to say, well, I'd rather go to heaven. And then their argument is, well, therefore, you should follow Jesus. And so their method for doing this is, if you want to get here, the only way to do that, I'm going to draw a cross here, okay? The only way to get from here to here is Jesus. So start following Jesus, okay? And then to make that more appealing, we have made heaven well, very appealing, right? And so we've looked through the Bible and we've taken verses and even if they might not mean the thing that we think they mean, we, we kind of make it mean this really great thing. And so in heaven, we have determined, I'm sure all of you have determined this because you read your Bibles and, and figured it out. I know I didn't, but maybe you guys did. Um, number one is that um, you, uh, you live for forever. OK, so you live forever. there's eternal life, OK? And again, the only way to get there, Jesus. OK. Number two, um, you get to live forever. Do you want to live forever? Yes, I want to live forever. Follow Jesus. OK. Um, number two is, uh, oh yes, you get to you get to see loved ones, OK? And do you want to see loved ones? Follow Jesus. OK. You get where this is going, OK. Number three, the next thing is um, to give you meaning to life, right? Why is it that you live? Do you just live for, you know, the 75 odd -odd years you're on on planet Earth and then it's all over and it's completely that's it and done? Or is there more? And you want there to be more. I want there to be more. It feels, you there's just an innate sense, I think, in a lot of our hearts that this just can't be it. That's just too crazy, it's too amazing, it's too incredible it's too meaningful, love and relationship and emotion we, we want to see our loved ones and, and we want meaning um, meaning in our lives and so therefore you should follow Jesus Okay, and then while you're here on earth you need to behave a certain way and what's the way you need to behave? good you need to behave good Do it or else. Okay. Number five. And then when you get into heaven, it's going to solve another—heaven's going to solve another one of your problems, um, and that's going to be sin and suffering. Okay. If you can just get to heaven, all sin and suffering is gone. Okay. And so that's it. Um, And what we talked about last week is that there is a good portion of this that's true. Um, I gave this a name. Does anybody remember the name I gave this? This freaked people out. What? Half-Truth Heaven. Yep. Half-Truth Heaven. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's a heretic. Um, Yes, half-truth heaven. Um, so in other words, so long as you can get here, you'll enjoy all of these things, and so therefore you should become a Christian, or you should be a Christian. And as much as you'd like to think this is not your or my thinking, it has become your and my thinking. We look at this, and we like this idea, and we want this idea, and therefore it plays out in a lot of different versions of our life. Um, but, but it's kind of—and I'll give you some examples here in just a second. Um, a couple of observations, though, about half-truth heaven. Um, one is how it plays out in our life. And I don't mean to be insensitive about this. Um, this is my observation. Maybe you've had a different experience. Um, but when we do this version of heaven, um, we don't want to exclude anyone. You ever notice that? Like, I don't know. I tried to think, and I tried to think. I don't know if I've ever been to a funeral— And they didn't say that person was going to heaven or a better place. Okay? Now, it sounds insensitive and judgmental, and I'm not trying to be, but it's just my observation. That everybody is going to go to heaven because, well, we don't want that to not be the truth. And so we kind of make that the truth irregardless of what Christianity says, right? Because then as an agnostic, I go to funerals, and like every funeral I go to, the person's going to heaven, the person's going to heaven. I'm sitting there scratching my head as an agnostic, right? I'm not even a Christian. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that is not what your Bible says, okay? Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14 said that the path is narrow, and only the path to life is narrow, and only a few will make it. And the majority of people won't make it. Yet everybody seems to make it. How is that possible, Christians? Answer me. Okay? But it'd be insensitive to say that. It'd be insensitive to say that. It makes sense though. It makes sense that everybody's gonna make it to heaven. If our focus, if our obsession, my friends, even our idol is this idea of heaven. And that we have to get to this perfect place, or we deserve this perfect place, or we have earned this perfect place when we die. And unfortunately, as we're going to find out, or I hope I communicate well so you would find out, we're missing the best part of this whole thing. We're missing the best part of the whole thing. The other thing about half-truth heaven to observe, and we talked about this last week, is... um, This is a very selfish version of heaven. Do you notice that? Everything involves you. You live forever. You get to see your loved ones. You get to have meanings in your life. Um, If you're good, you get the reward if you're good. Um, And you don't have to experience sin and suffering anymore. Okay? And so when God created the heavens and the earth, do you think God's reason for creating the heavens was for you? Huh. That's a very presumptuous assumption. Because that's not what he designed it for. He designed it for a place for him to reside, for the divine to reside. Yet we assume we get to go there. We assume we get to go there, don't we? The other thing that I, uh, shortcoming of this is um, we begin to use Jesus as a means to an end. Ever think about that? We start to use Jesus as the means to get what we want, to get what you want. And this is not your fault. I would argue or propose to you that Christians and and church leaders over many, many years, over the last few millennia, have kind of gone out of their way to sell you on the idea of heaven to get you to come to church sometimes. And so it's not entirely, I think, our fault, but yet we struggle to get past this idea and to treat Jesus as a means to an end. So to recap, Jesus is a means to an end. Um, This version of heaven is, let's be honest, is kind of selfish. It's all about us. It's not about God. It's not about anything else. It's just about us and what we want and we deserve. Um, We don't enforce heaven. We kind of, when it comes down to the brass tacks of it, we kind of just assume that everybody gets in, okay? And then the fourth one, and this is where you're really gonna struggle with me, but just stick with me. The fourth one is that in terms of where you go when you die, There is no single passage in the entirety of the Bible that says you go to heaven. Like some of you are going to have a panic attack. Oh my gosh, I'm leaving the church. Okay. You're good. Stick with me. Go home. Don't take my word for it. If you're on the computer, just pull up your browser. Google it. Okay. Google it. Where do we go when we die? Verses. Okay. Start pulling verses. Now, you're going to see verses about a lot of things. I'm actually going to write it up there. I'll just say it. You're going to read verses about going to paradise. You're going to read verses about the kingdom of heaven. You're going to read verses about the kingdom of God. You're going to be read verses about being saved, the father, Abraham's bosom. You're going to read the verses about life. But you will never, ever, never find, in, especially in a more literal translation, a verse that says in the Bible, you die, you get to go to heaven. Nor did Jesus say that. So then isn't it interesting that we've just concluded that that's where we go when we die? Like if you opened up the Bible and started reading it without anybody telling you, you go to heaven when you die, it's very, very difficult to get there. Very difficult to get there. Jesus does not make the main reason for following him, following him, heaven. He never does. It's about a lot of other things. And that's what we're going to talk about. Here's the other way to look at this. He could have said that. He could have said that. Sometimes, sometimes we can learn just as much from what Jesus could have said but didn't as what Jesus said. I'll say that again. Sometimes we can learn just as much from what Jesus could have said but didn't say it than what Jesus did say. And that's what we're going to do again today. He could have said, Here's how you get to heaven. He could have said, follow me so you get to heaven, as so many Christians or pastors or church leaders do promise. But that's not what he said. He said, you could avoid hell if, and go to heaven if you follow me. But that's not what he says. In fact, nowhere in the Bible is there an exchange where heaven and hell are opposite. It's always heaven and earth. You can never find a passage in the Bible that says heaven and hell. We think if I say heaven, you say heaven. Hell, right? And you're like, oh, I'm not going to say it now. You're messing with me, okay? <clears throat> no, it's heaven and earth. So let's see how Jesus answered the question. The question, how do I get to heaven? How do I get to heaven? And it's not really a question that's asked literally. Like, he doesn't—there isn't a point where it's literally said, hey, Jesus, how do you get to ask to heaven? But this is about the closest that you can get, Okay? And what you're going to see, especially as you read this and other instances where Jesus addresses this issue, Jesus really doesn't like this question because he really doesn't answer it directly. He answers it how he wants to answer it, and I think his answer is amazing, but he doesn't answer it how we have been generally trained to think about it. Now, it's simpler to think of heaven as this great place you go, and it's pretty, but this is not... Jesus's version. And the way we're going to get there is by looking at John 14. This is a great example of this. If um, you you go home today, just pull out John 14. Actually, like, read, like, 13, 14, 15. It's all really great. Um, But um, this is what we're going to look at and and unpack for a second. All right. Now, um, the context for this uh, passage before we get there is um, Jesus just got done with the final meal. Okay, he's about to be arrested and crucified. He is about to die. And it is such a weird dinner, okay? Jesus says he's leaving. And the disciples are like, what? No, you're leaving? Where are you going? We've been following you. We're here in Jerusalem. You're supposed to take over. Why are you leaving now? This is weird. Then he says he's going to be betrayed. Weirder And somebody in the room is going to betray him. And they're like, who's going to betray him? And then Judas runs off. And it's kind of like, where's he going? What's the deal with that? Judas runs off. And it's like this very ominous feeling in the room. Okay, it's very uncertain. And so then Jesus, the title of this, a lot of publishers put this as the title, like Jesus comforts his disciples. He's gonna provide them comfort. And I hope in this moment, he's gonna provide you some comfort because right now some of you may be sitting there like, I am uncomfortable by what you are saying, Taylor. That's great. Jesus is gonna provide you and me some comfort. And here's how he starts. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Okay, Taylor, well, it's troubled. Do not let it be troubled. Do not let Instead, we're all going to be together in heaven. No, I didn't say that. Okay? This is, again, an example of we think that's what he said or what he's about to say. He doesn't say that at all. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. And this is the theme that you will see throughout the biblical story, Genesis to Revelation, that God, through Christ, wants to get across to you his creation. And that is this ne- the, the, the correct version of this verse. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Next slide. Believe in God. Next slide. Believe in God. Believe in me also. Not we're going to heaven. Believe in me. He could have said that, but he doesn't. Then he goes on. Do not be, oh, the other thing I want to say before we go on, sorry, um, is if you read the gospel accounts, you're going to see Jesus do this all the time. Do not be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. It's always about proximity. It's always about presence. It's always about people. It is not about a place. Do not be troubled. Why? Because I'm here. Because I care. Because I love you. And then he goes on to comfort. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If that were not so, I would, not have, I would have told you because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Okay, Taylor, time out. You said it's not about a place, and now Jesus is talking about a place. How's that work? Well, here's the problem. It doesn't say that, though, okay? And it's really hard, and this is what's so unfair sometimes about reading the Bible because it's like, how am I supposed to know this, Taylor? It says it's a house. I'm imagining a house. A lot of people take this verse. If you Google, how do I know I'm going to heaven, this verse is going to come up. Because there's a house, and we're going to go to this place, and there's going to be room for you in this place. It'll probably be like a 10 by 12 room, but you'll have that room for eternity, I promise. It's all yours. Enough room to get like a 32-inch TV in there, okay? But that's all you're getting. Okay, Okay, Jesus isn't talking about so much the place as the idea of something. The other place that Jesus mentions my father's house is in John chapter 2. And when he talked about my father's house, it's that story where Jesus is flipping tables and he's angry at the the money changers. And he says, this is my father's house. He's in the temple of God. He is in the place where heaven and earth should come together in this paradise place, this place where the presence of God should reside. And what did the money changers and the tax collectors, all these guys try to make the temple out of? They tried to make it a a mall. And he's like, no, no and so when the disciple when you hear this you think heaven when the disciples heard this they're like oh yeah jesus refers to his father's house all the time i've been following him for years he refers to it as the temple in the temple there are many rooms and they're like yeah yeah the temple does temple courts have you ever been to the temple courts in israel um, it, there's lots of rooms there's lots of rooms and i'm going to go play, prepare a place for you and then in this moment you have to think about the context He's not going to prepare a place. He's not going to go get your bed ready and make your bed. I grew up thinking he was going to go make my bed or something. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. That would be awesome. This really is heaven. I don't have to make it. You do it for me. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Sometimes I actually like making my bed. Anyways, so um, back on topic. Um, Jesus, in the context of what's about to happen, he's about to be arrested. He's about to be tried, and he is about to be executed for What? For your sins, so that your sin is forgiven, you are made clean, and so that you are now pure or holy enough to be in the presence of God, to be with God, because your sin is forgiven. So, in the context of what he's saying, he's not going literally to prepare a place for you. He is literally gonna go die on a cross so that there is space for you in paradise, so that you can be with. God. He's trying to get this imagery across to you. If you hold on, you can hold on to this idea that literally you're going to have a a room in heaven. You can, but I don't know about you, it just feels a little cheap. Like again, the best you can do, God, is just a room for me in a house, and that's heaven. I feel like I'm going to get bored, okay? That's not what Jesus is trying to get across. He's trying to get across proximity. He's trying to get across a relationship being healed. And that you are going to reside or abide in God. You're going to be with God. If you read the rest of this passage, you will see that everywhere. You're going to be in a place where heaven and earth meet, just like it did in Eden, just like it does when the presence of God comes near and humanity and God interact. And it is a beautiful, holy, incredible thing. And he goes on, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, because he's gonna go and prepare a place for him on the cross, I'm going again and I will take you with, I will, I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you will be also. With proximity, and you know that the way you and you know the way where I am going, to which then Peter or Thomas chimes in and says to him, "Lord, we don't know the way you're going. How do we know the way?" And again, Jesus could have said, "Well, it's in heaven. It's in heaven. This is the way. The way is heaven. That's the goal." But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says to him, "I in the way." I am the life. I am the truth. And no one comes to the Father. In other words, the end goal isn't heaven. The end goal is the Father, to be with the Father as it was in Eden. And the way in which you're going to get there is not by being super good. We'll get there. It's not by just praying a prayer. It's something else. It's someone else. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It it keeps the focus. Jesus constantly keeps the focus on him and being together. It's like what we teach in our pre-K environment here at at church. Jesus wants to be your friend forever. Jesus Jesus doesn't want you to get to heaven. That's not his point. That's not his goal. Jesus wants to be with you, and he wants you to be with him. Jesus, a few verses later, says, um, In the same chapter, 14, he says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you as an orphan. Why does he leave you as an orphan? He's like, well, I'm not, I have a family, I have kids, I'm not an orphan. He's like, no, but you're not a part of God's family. And God wants you to be a part of his family. And I will come and get you to be a part of my family. John chapter 10 says, Jesus says, I will give you eternal life. Oh, I thought you got eternal life in heaven. No, 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 no. He didn't say heaven will give you eternal life. Nowhere does it say heaven gives you eternal life. Eternal life comes through Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. God will give eternal life that is life in his son, Jesus. Not heaven. Jesus. This is the problem with half-truth heaven, is we get this idea that if we can just make it to the place, if we can make it to the place, then everything's good. And that's not the point. Jesus is the point. We read these passages, and then we read them out of context, and we become place-focused. We become results-focused. We become goal-focused. We become achievement-focused, trying to get here. Jesus is not a means to an end. He is the means, and he is the end. It's not about a place. It's about a person. It's not about a place, it's about a person. And this is such a kind of a newer idea maybe for some of us that it's gonna take a few to wrap our heads around it. So let me try. This morning, just this morning, I'm trying to figure out my message, right? I'm sitting at the counter and the girls wake up and they go to the couch and they get under the blankets. And I have, if you don't know, I have three girls, five, four, and two, and my wife, okay, can't forget her. (laughs) Where do I wanna be? What makes that couch so incredible? It's a really nice couch, very soft. Is the best part of that couch the place or the people? It's the people. What did I walk away from to just go sit with them for a few moments? The people. The people. The people, your people in your life make this life worth living sometimes. The people in your life sustain you the people in your life love you the people in your life help you the people in your life mourn you Well, life without people well god said it it's not good the whole biblical story is a story about a relationship not a story about you getting to heaven it's in the person of jesus that you will find what is heaven it is not something to be found in heaven. There is no biblical precedent for that. Everything that we find in half-truth heaven is not because it's in heaven. It's because of Jesus. It's because of God. This, just to give you some context, this, all of this, we think heaven is just this incredible above place, distant and far apart than ourselves. This is all creation. This is creation and this is creation. On the first day At the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's just a creation. God existed out of creation. Stop stop trying to shortchange yourself. Why do you do that? Why do we do that? We shortchange ourselves when heaven, when the creator of heaven is saying, I want to be with you. Why do we profess a version of Christianity that's about a place when it could be about a person that loves you enough to die for you? It's amazing not because of the place, it's amazing because of the person who resides in that place called heaven. And that person is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we get to interact. And then God does an incredible thing. God comes to earth. And everywhere that Jesus went, what did Jesus do? He healed people, He fed people, He brought heaven to earth. And it was incredible. And it changed people's lives because that's what not heaven does. That's what God does. And you got to see a bit of the Father in Jesus. You didn't get to see a bit of heaven in Jesus. You got to see a bit of the Father in Jesus. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of days in a broken world like the one we live in where it's difficult to trust people, where t- people will walk away from you, they will betray you, they will take advantage of you, um, and you can't always be sure if they love you. I'm kind of entering in just like personal anecdote. I'm entering into the stage where I feel like I'm just skeptical of everyone. Like I just can't trust everyone for at least the first year of knowing them because I just, I just don't know. And it, and it hurts my heart to do that. It's what I don't like about this world. That's not what happens with God. That's not God. A God who lays down his life for you so you can be with him. That place, wherever that place, wherever that person is, I would describe that place as paradise. So we need to reframe the question. It's not who goes to heaven. It's not how do I go to heaven. It's who goes to be with God. Or how do I get to be with God? To me, this makes life after death way more appealing. Yes, your loved ones, your loved ones could be there. They could be there because they are also with Jesus. Yes, there is eternal life. Why? Because of Jesus, not because of heaven. It's not because you're in the place. It's because you're with God, be careful, be careful not to be more in love with the idea of heaven than than you are in love with the God who created the heavens and the earth. Otherwise, you fall in love with a half-truth heaven versus a very true and very real God. So who goes to heaven or who goes to be with God rather? Who goes to be with God? I don't want to oversimplify this. This is an incorrect theological statement, but I think it's a practical theological statement. And that is, well, those who want to be. Those who want to be. And then you'd say, well, I want to be in heaven. Okay, here's where it gets a little more complicated. And here's a question that I, I hope you'll ask yourself or, or think about. You get to go to heaven. Those who get to be with God are those who trust Jesus. Jesus who put their faith in him as their Lord and King. It's relational. Because it's relational, Jesus, and and because of that relationship, um, it's a little more complicated. God gives us the freedom to choose, to love him or not, to accept his mercy, his forgiveness, and his love or not. He won't force you. It's, It's a choice that you get to make. I cannot make you love God. I can fear you into it. Loud pastors will fear you into it. They'll say, are you going to heaven? Or are you going to hell? I want to fear you into a relationship with God. Is any relationship based on fear a good relationship? Okay, thank you. I was a little concerned. Okay. No, that is not a good relationship. That's not a good relationship. He won't force you. It's your choice. So here's a good question to ask yourself. Is your heart and is your life a reflection of someone who wants to be with God? Is your heart and life a reflection of someone that wants to be with God? And just to clarify this, I'll draw this up here. Someone who lives here, that's you, and wants to be with God. Not wants to use God to get to heaven, but someone who wants to get to know know God. This is the goal. Is your heart a reflection of that? Because God looks at your life and looks at your heart. It's called judgment. And there is judgment. And I never liked the idea of judgment growing up. Okay. But it actually kind of makes sense now that I'm adult. And I don't think it's that big, scary thing that sometimes we make it out to be. When God sees someone that wants to be with him, he wants to be with them too. And if he sees someone that doesn't want to be with him, then what is God going to do? Not force them to be with him. How does that work, parents, if you force your kid to want to be with you? Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Okay? If you want, if you are, if your heart and your life are a reflection of being with God, let me put it a different way. If someone doesn't talk to you, if someone avoids you, think of a friend. Maybe there's an experience in your life that's similar to this, or many. Someone avoids you. They don't prioritize you with, your ta- with their time, their money, and their talents. They don't prioritize you with that. Do you think, do you get the impression that that person wants to be with you? No. And God concludes the same thing. If you want to live a life, if you, excuse me, if you don't want to be with God in life, then God's assumption is you don't want to be with him after when you die. And God respects that. To me, that's the scariest part of death, is God's going to respect your decision. That's judgment. And it's kind of fair. Because you do that too, all the time. You say, hey, if you don't want to be with me, I'm not going to go out of my way. Is that judgmental of you? Yes. But you're respecting that person's choice to not be with you. God concludes the same thing. If you don't want to be with God in life, he assumes you don't want to be with him after life on earth. And he is the one that makes paradise. And he is the one that makes new creation. He is the one that makes the kingdom of God He is the father. He is the bosom of Abraham. He is the one who gives life. This is the biblical truth. You read the Bible. All these things hold true throughout the entirety of the story. He is all of those things. And if you don't want to be with him, then he will respect your decision. Because he loves you too much to force you otherwise. He's not going to force you into heaven. So as you look at your life, is your heart and your life a reflection of someone who wants to be with their time, their talent, their resources, their heart, their treatment of others, someone who wants to be with God? And God will honor that when you die. God will make that judgment. And you may then end up in paradise or you may end up without God, which is hell. What is hell? Hell is the absence, not the complete absence, by the way, but that's a longer theological discussion, the absence of God. Ah, But, Taylor, I really like that idea of heaven, a place where you go, you know. (laughs) Just being in a relationship with Jesus doesn't feel quite as satisfying, right? I want something to hold on to, okay? We're going to talk about this next week. But this is the version, let me get rid of half-truth heaven, because you don't need that anymore, do you? You've moved on. Okay. Go to the end of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and you read what this whole thing is about. It's not us going to heaven. It's heaven and earth and earth, all of creation, all of creation becoming one. That includes you. That's God's end goal. That's God's plan. He will respect you if you do not want that. But his hope and his goal is to make all things right. Where there is not suffering and weeping and gnashing of teeth, both in heaven and on earth. Why? Because he loves earth. He made it. And he said it was good. Do you think God that made something good is going to leave it as bad? No, he is going to make it good. And the way he is going to make it good is through Christ. And Christ will come back and get you. He will not leave you an orphan and the place you will be with him is paradise it is the kingdom of god not because of the place it is is because god is there god makes the kingdom of god the kingdom of god in christianity it's not about a means to an end jesus is the means and he is the end it's relational it's loving God wants you to be the beneficiary of all things good when you are with him in a holy place, in a good place, a, a place where you will be at peace and, at fr- and with freedom for all of eternity. Imagine, imagine how the church would change if we preached good news that Jesus was the best thing. It wasn't just about heaven. It wasn't about where you go when you die. It's about getting to know Jesus. I like this idea. I love this idea that Jesus was trying to get across, that Paul was trying to get across. John was trying to get across. Peter was trying to get across. Did I say Paul? Paul was trying to get across. That Jesus, Jesus just wants to be, God wants to be in relationship with you. And when you are with him, all is good. And you begin to experience, even on earth, a bit of a taste of heaven. That to me is way more real and practical. Something worth following and trusting in. Than just trying to get to a place. Where I feel like. I don't know. Part of me just says I get a little bored there someday. I don't know. That there is more to it. Not because of the place. But because of the person. Okay. Let's uh, bow our heads and. Take a second to pray through this. Because we probably need to pray through this. Heavenly Father. Lord. This, uh, this is a lot. It's hard. I know it's hard for me, Lord, to let go of this idea that when I die, I get to go to heaven and instead start to trust and wrap my heart, my mind around the idea that I get to be with you. And really the place is of insignificance. It's not about the place. It's about you. To take a heart, my heart sometimes, that is very goal-orientated, that's very goal oriented, thats very task oriented, and realize that I just have to trust you. That as much as I try to like fully understand like how many rooms is it, you know, Lord, in, in heaven and how big is my room in heaven, Lord? And, you know, I try to imagine what that place is like. I shouldn't imagine what that place is like. I should imagine you. I should find my hope and my trust in you. You who would come to earth and die for me, come to earth and teach me and show me what it's like to be with the Father and then die because you loved me to make a space for me, to cleanse me so I can be with you. That you would send your spirit to fill me so I would feel your presence and abide in me. As John says in fourteen, chapter 14, Lord, help each and every one of us online and in the room, serving right here in the band and the production team. Help the next generation. down in our kids' ministry to grow up with a God who isn't just there to get them into a place but a God who wants to be with them a God who promises to always be with us. Because we can't always be with each other. And Lord, sometimes we hurt one another, if you could believe it, but you won't. That this whole story is about a relationship that we can have with you, that we can love you, we get to trust you. And that is what's good. That is what is holy. That is what is transcendent. That is what bridges a divide between heaven and earth. Lord, help us. I pray for each and every one of us that that is the God and the version of heaven that we would get to know that we would find hope in that paradise, a good God who will judge fairly the living and the dead and draw us closer and bring us closer. Lord, help us to trust that, to find faith in that, not to put our faith in a place or an idea, but in you. And know that whatever comes in life and in death, we are good because you are good and we are with you. Lord, help that to be our version of heaven. Give us the strength and the wisdom and the people to know that. In your name I pray, amen.